before we begin, just a quick announcement that the Requiem Mass for the Spartans will be held uh, <laughs> some point in the future. Uh, I think we're going to wait till the baseball regular season ends and just bundle it with the Tigers. Yeah, it seems. So, uh, speaking of Requiem Mass, uh, today we're going to look at uh, heaven and hell, uh, who goes there and what it's like, and because uh, that's what Jesus gives us a great image of in our gospel. Uh, so let's take a peek. Uh, we're going to start with Lazarus, and we're going to take a look at him, because uh, you got to remember, when people wrote this gospel, when uh, in this case uh, Luke wrote this gospel, he didn't think, gosh, 2,000 years from now, in a country we don't know about, in a language that doesn't exist, people are going to read this. Right? He was just writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, and he was writing to people of his day and age who had a lot of knowledge we don't. Uh, for example, we, we look at Lazarus and we find that he's at the door of this rich man every day. He was carried there. Right? Somebody carried him there every day in the desperate hopes that he would get some stuff, some food. He's not looking for extra. He's not looking for an excellent investment opportunity. Uh, he's hungry. Now, I get hungry sometimes. But it usually means I've gone 22 minutes uh, without eating. This is not that kind of hunger. This is the, I'm dying. And if I don't get food soon, I will die. We know also that Lazarus, part of the reason he had to be there was, has to do, believe it or not, with the dogs. Uh, in this day and age, when, when people really didn't eat meat that often, most people could never afford meat. I remember uh, reading a study that said the average human would go their whole life without ever having eaten meat. They just couldn't afford it. What did they eat? They ate bread. And they ate fish. I don't, think, I don't know why we don't call fish meat, but we don't. And that works out great during Lent. But be this as it may... When people were rich enough to eat meat, let alone like this dude does every day, they did have bread there, but they would take the bread and kind of soak up the grease and throw it. Yeah? Uh, and it, it, for a couple reasons. One, they did not understand the wonder of grease. Let's get that out on the table. Uh, as a fat man, I can attest to this. Uh, but two, it was considered a way of showing how wealthy you were. And so what happens? When you throw meat or bread soaked in grease every meal, uh, dogs, yeah? If you've got dogs, you know what I'm talking about. And I have to tell you, last night my dog, true story, where's dad? I don't know where he went. Uh, someone gave dad four of those chocolate peanut butter uh, Buckeyes. Uh, my dog enjoyed them, thank you. Uh, <laughs> we had them in a safe and that dog got in. Uh, but dogs, so that's why Lazarus' friends carried him there. Maybe some of that bread rolls close enough to him. Yeah. So what we also know is he died. And we know that when he died, the angels came and carried him to heaven. Just like his friends carried him to the rich man's door. That's what we know about Lazarus. 
Oh, and we know his name. Lazarus, it's Hebrew. It means helped by God. That's what his name means. Now let's look at the rich guy. Uh, it wasn't just that he was rich. He must have been like Elon Musk rich in that day and age. If he's, quote, eating sumptuously, and this is great, total side note, in Greek, the word they use there is ate like a pig. Uh, he, he ate like a pig every day. And here's the crazy part. We find out at the end of this story, this guy who didn't give Lazarus anything, he knew his name. Isn't that nuts? It wasn't that he didn't see him. He saw him. He knew his name. When he's trying to get work out of the guy post-mortem, he calls him by name. There is a level of jerk here that would be hard for us to understand. He knows the name of the guy right there and can't even be bothered to aim his bread in that direction. This is a selfish, greedy, horrible human being. And you might say, Father, Jesus said, judge not. Less. Yeah, well, I can judge this one, trust me. How about you? Don't get me on that passage. So, we also find out about where he goes. He died and was buried. And they're making two statements here. One, he had a burial. Lazarus didn't. But no angels carried him anywhere. And instead, he was, it says, in torment. And we learn that this pattern in his life carried over into death because he's in hell or purgatory, depends on who you read. I don't care, right? Uh, one of them. And in there, he sees Lazarus, who he knows. And he sees Abraham, who he might be vaguely familiar with. And what does he do? He says, Abraham, send that guy to help me. Right? You send him to help me. He doesn't even talk to Lazarus. The fact that he was a selfish jerk in life only was intensified in death. He can't even be bothered to talk to Lazarus. But he can be, uh, he is comfortable telling someone else, make that guy serve me. What guy? The one you ignored your whole life? Yeah, him. He's not even ashamed of it. And we might think, well, at least he wants Lazarus to take care of his brothers. Well, he had a whole lifetime to take care of his brothers, didn't he? He had a whole lifetime to get it right. But he didn't get it right. He got it comfortable. For you and me, it's really important, I think, that we draw some conclusions here. First, is not all poor people go to heaven. And not all rich people go to hell. That's not what it's about. But there is something to the mindset of the poor that those of us who are not poor really need to embrace and embrace soon. Because this is why Jesus always warns the rich. Not because he doesn't like rich people, but because there's a warning here. And the warning is pretty simple. Rich people, as a general rule, don't understand need. We understand want. We get that one really well. But need, and by need, I don't mean again, it has been 22 minutes since I ate, I'm dying, yeah? I mean, I'm dying. 
I need anything. I need something. When we understand that need physically, it opens our heart to our hunger spiritually. Because for a lot of us, we've starved our souls to death, but we're not really in contact with our souls, so we're not even aware. Just like the rich man wasn't aware of what, how unbelievably awful he comes across. We get blind to the wounds we inflict on ourselves and on others because we just think of that as everyday life. But your soul needs to be fed with spiritual food. Prayer is the oxygen for your soul. And if we don't pray, and if we don't receive God, we will. Our souls will die of hunger. But we're so busy filling our human wants, we forget about our spiritual needs. And you might be thinking, like me, well, I'm, I'm not rich. Just, of course we are. By any rational standard, we are well, our lowest class uh, financially, it's a fact, lives better and more comfortably than royalty in the 19th century. Right? And I'm not saying everyone's got it easy. Good Lord, no. We make problems like it's a full-time job. But what I'm suggesting is that our physical comfort obscures our souls at times. And we forget how hungry and how weak our souls are getting because we don't feed them. We don't let our souls breathe by praying, by talking to God. And we get more and more blind to it. You know that friend who you love very much and they keep doing that one thing where they sabotage themselves and you wonder, when are they going to figure it out? You know what I'm talking about? You know people think that about you and me too, right? When are they going to figure it out? I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to figure it out. I've got so many blind spots, I'm sure it defines me. For us, we'll only find those blind spots when we're feeding our soul, when we're letting our souls breathe. And the more you and I are in contact with our spiritual need, the more gentle, generous, and compassionate will be with those who have physical need. Once we get need, we get need. We understand it. Now, obviously, when we talk about this, I'm not talking about giving money to the poor. You have no idea where that money's going to go. But you can certainly give to, and I know you do, God bless you, to those organizations that help the poor and help them in real ways, not alleviating symptoms, but trying to get right to the cause. It is not our call to give money to every person who asks, because again, we have no idea what's going to happen with that money, and it might be really, really bad. But what I am talking about is a sense of compassion and a deep understanding of what need looks like. And when we get it physically, we'll get it spiritually. And when we get it spiritually, we'll get it physically. You and I have need spiritually, and we need to get in touch with that. So here's some ways to get in touch with our spiritual need. I'm a big fan of confession, and I barely ever sin. Okay. I'm going to be honest, that's not in my notes. 
Now, I, I go to confession regularly because I know that's important for 500 reasons, but one of them is it's pretty easy to forget how messed up we can get, huh? It's pretty easy for us to keep lowering the bar or raising the bar, however you want to put it, as to what sin is. And when we take spiritual inventory, it's a good thing. And there's another fruit to that, which is, Father, you remember my confession last time? A, no. Uh, it's the same confession. Yeah? Anybody else in that boat? I've been going to the same guy to confession for 23 years. The poor man. And it's basically the same. Yeah, I added new ones. You're welcome. But that sense of frustration with myself is so good for me. Because it reminds me of how much I need Jesus. And how beautiful it is that he never gives up. I get frustrated with my performance because of my pride. But it is a blessed thing to know. Lord, I'm in the fight. I'm trying. I'm plugging away. And him going, I love your every effort. And when you fall, let me love you. Let me forgive you. That's our spiritual poverty, guys. We need a savior. And I read the book. Turns out we got one. Few things help us realize our dependence on Jesus more than that beautiful sacrament of reconciliation. That's why truly, between the two parishes, we do 10 hours a week. Because it's that important. That deep self-awareness of, wow, I need help. Thank God I've got it. Another way I think we can uh, understand our sense of spiritual poverty is to look at how we love those God has put in our lives. How often do the words that come out of our mouth and the actions of our body tell the people we love how deeply we love them? And how often do we at the end of the day think, shoot, shouldn't have said that. I should have done this. And these things we, we don't do so that we can down ourselves. That's not it. That's not the point. It's so that we can recognize, I guess I should start praying about it rather than just waiting till after I fail. Lord Jesus, help me to show the people I love how very much I love them. So those are a couple of ideas where you and I can grow in our sense of dependence. And if we see our dependence as a failure, then we don't understand Jesus at all. Jesus wants to save us. Jesus wants us to know our sins and our struggles. Not so we can feel horrible, but so we can see how deep the love goes. There's no equivalent to it. So, just like St. Teresa said, it's heaven, all the way to heaven, and it's hell, all the way to hell. The rich man was selfish, he was greedy, and he was blind. He didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he had lived for himself his whole life. He lived in comfort and luxury while the man was dying of hunger six feet away. The poor man didn't go to heaven because he was poor. He went to heaven because he understood dependence. He understood the need to cling. And when that key moment came and those angels opened their arms, brother jumped right in. 
He'd been doing it his whole life. So let's jump into the arms of our Lord. Let's jump into the arms of all those little saviors through the day who help us. We practice our dependence. We celebrate it. And we revel at how deep the love goes. Amen? Amen. Okay.